Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Lord, we do look to you now with hearts that are that really want to hear you this morning. And so, Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts and that we would have listening hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Matthew 2, verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. They said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. When they had opened their gifts, their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Okay, well, here we are. We're in the book. Of, this is such an unusual book in the book of Matthew because, first of all, it's written to the Jews. And, but apart from that, this is a book that starts off with these words. The, this is the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. That's how the book opened in the first chapter. And then the second chapter, and we move through the genealogy there until we came down to the second chapter, which opens with this words, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem. So these are the first words of the two chapters, of the first chapter, and it's a message really that's about the Jewish people and about the Gentile people. So you see, in the first chapter, we have this very clear connection drawn out to us of the Lord Jesus to the Jewish people. This is a gospel that's written to the Jewish people, and the first message of this gospel is that the Lord Jesus Christ is linked by birth to the Jewish people. That was significant. 
And it's laying this out in this genealogy in the first chapter. And it gives us this important link from Abraham and from David. So this is the message. This is the same message that the Lord Jesus gave to a Gentile woman who really represented the Gentile world when he met her at this well in John chapter 4. And he said to her in John 4.22, John 4.22, ye worship, ye know not what. For we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. It's from the Jews. So he told her that if she wanted salvation, that she had to come to the Jews because Jesus is God's salvation for the world. And this is what the first chapter in Matthew is establishing, that Jesus or God's salvation is from the Jews. The Savior of the world is Jewish. In Psalm 22, we can hear the Jewish people talking about this, that the salvation of the world is from the Jews, when it says in Psalm 68.20, Psalm 68.20, he that is our God is the God of salvation, and unto God belong the issues from death. And then in Isaiah 2.3, in Isaiah 2.3, we can hear the Gentile people speaking about the salvation is of the Jews. When they invite others to come to God, and their invitation goes like this in Isaiah 2.3, Isaiah 2, 3, many people shall go and say, come ye and let us go up to the house of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways and we'll walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So this fact that salvation is of the Jews, it can be seen also in prophecy when 10 men speaking 10 different languages are, are gonna come and, 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 and take hold of a Jew in Zechariah 8.23, Zechariah 8.23, where it says, thus saith the Lord God, uh, the Lord of hosts, in those days it shall come to pass that 10 men shall take hold out of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, we will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. And why is this? Why is it the salvation is of the Jews? Well, there's only one reason. It's because God made it that way, and that's what's told to us in Isaiah 46, 13. Isaiah 46, 13, where God says, I bring near my righteousness, it shall not be far off, and my salvation shall not tarry. I will place salvation in Zion for Israel my glory. So the message of the first chapter in Matthew here is that salvation is of the Jews because Jesus was Jewish by birth. Now the message of the second chapter all has to do and centers around these, they're almost like mysterious characters, these magi, these wise men from the east. So here in the second chapter, what we have is the entrance of these Gentile magi and they represent the Gentile world. And so what we see in them, in these magi, is they have this very strong interest. It's strange that they should come from their background far away and be asking about the king of the Jews. You know, why should they care? But they represent the Gentiles in the Gentile world coming to the God of the Jews as predicted in Isaiah 60, verse 1. Isaiah 60, verse 1, which says, Arise, shine, for thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee, and the Gentiles 
shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. So these Gentiles, they rep- these Gentiles, I should say Magi here, they represent this fulfillment of this. They represent this Isaiah 60 verse three. Isaiah 60 verse three. They represent Gentiles coming to thy light. And today, churches are filled across the world with Gentiles that have come to Israel's light. And those Gentiles have followed these first Gentile Magi here and have come to the light. So they're really forerunners here of the Gentiles. They're coming to the king of the Jews. So that's how the Magi are viewed just if you look at them by themselves in chapter two. But what's also interesting is the Magi as they're set in the context and they're seen side by side with the Jewish scribes and the priests that are in verse four. And when you look at the Magi in contrast with the priests there, and you ask the question, how do they compare in terms of interest in the king of the Jews? It's clear the Magi are more interested in the king of the Jews than the Jews are interested in their own king. And this is a great mystery of how the Gentiles show more interest in the king of the Jews than the Jews in their own king, their own Messiah. So we look at these Magi, these Gentile wise men here, and they're actively seeking the king of the Jews, and they're come a long way to find the king of the Jews. And the Jewish people who should have been looking for the king of the Jews, they really don't care. They don't care at all. And if you look at this, you think about another person in scripture who came a really long way to find the wisdom of God. And that person came all the way from Ethiopia. You know, probably in Israel, they say, where is Ethiopia? But she came as the queen of Sheba because she heard about a person who had the wisdom of God, and she heard about that down in Ethiopia, so she's kind of like the Magi. And she comes, she decides to make this very long trip to Jerusalem to hear the wisdom of God, and so like the Magi, she puts the Jewish people to shame because she's so more interested than they do. And she's actually gonna be used in the future in some way that we don't totally understand, but the Lord Jesus said, in Matthew 12, 42, Matthew 12, 42, when he was talking about her and called her the queen of the south, and he said, Matthew 12, 42, the queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. So what is she gonna say? What is the queen of the south gonna say? But what is she gonna say in that judgment? I don't know, maybe she's gonna say something like, I came from halfway around the world to hear the wisdom of God. You couldn't even walk across the street. So here's these magi, and they've also come from, you know, like halfway around the world, wherever they were, a long way to worship the king of the Jews, and those in Jerusalem couldn't walk five miles to go from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. So we can imagine how these magi are also gonna be using the great judgment, and they might say something like, look, it took us two years to plan and to make this journey to find the king of the Jews so we could give ourselves to him, so we could worship him. And you couldn't even take an afternoon to take a walk from Jerusalem down to Bethlehem to the king of the Jews. So it's interesting too, when you look at these magi and how they got no encouragement when they got to Jerusalem. They got no encouragement to go find the king of the Jews. It wasn't like they walked into Jerusalem and were greeted with cheers, like good, You came to find the king of the Jews so you could worship him? Good, here's a bottle of water. You know, keep on going. You'll find him and let us know know if you need anything. Wasn't like that at all. It was more like, 
They come saying, where's the king of the Jews? And the response is, who? We don't know. We don't care. Well, we've come to worship him. So who cares? So? So what? It's just pretty discouraging for those magi. Just trying to, try to think about it. And it might have made them think, maybe we made a big mistake. Maybe this whole thing was wrong. Maybe we shouldn't have come. I mean, the Jews don't even care about the king of the Jews. What are we doing? So when the magi looked to man, in other words, those in Jerusalem, they got discouraged. But it was not man that started them on their trip. It was God, and he used a star. And so it was God who stepped in at this time of discouragement, of this time of darkness, really, to encourage the Magi. When man discouraged them, God encouraged them with the return of the star. And that's in verses 9 and 10, verses 9 and 10, where it says, when they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Now, that's very encouraging for us when we see that situation there. It's very encouraging for us because we see how the Lord initially led these magi with a star, and when they hit this huge road bump, when they got to Jerusalem, the star reappears to guide them on beyond their troubles. So right after they're real discouraged by man's apathy, the magi are encouraged by God's star. That was really a star of encouragement for them. Just when they needed God to encourage them God made that star to appear. It's like the hymn. Just when I need him, Jesus is near. Just when I falter, just when I fear. Ready to help, ready to cheer. Just when I need him most, Jesus is near to comfort and cheer. Just when I need him most. All right, so the star reappears just when the Magi needed it most. It reminds us of what, what God says about how he guides us. It says in Psalm 32, 8, Psalm 32, 8, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. That's great. They're guided by the star. We're guided by the eye of God. So the Magi had come to where they assumed that the king of the Jews would be. I mean, after all, this is Jerusalem. It's the capital of the king. It's the city of the king. So you should find the king of the Jews. And when they didn't find the king of the Jews... They were wondering, where do we go next? They needed to know, what's the next step that we need to take here? And that's just when God used the star to say to the Magi, this is not the place. This is not the place. But, but this is the way. This is the way you should go and so walk. Follow the star to Bethlehem. Now, in that picture, what we can see is how God guides us in life. You know, we come to where we think we should be. You know, we go to where we think we're supposed to go. And then we find out that no, is not the right place. And then God steps in and says to us, no, this is not the way. This is the way. And that's what God told the prophet Isaiah. God told the prophet Isaiah, this is the way it's gonna be in your life. And, and he said in Isaiah 30, verse 21, Isaiah 30, verse 21, God said, thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, this is the way. Walk ye in it when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left hand. In other words, it's, it's a way of correction. It's like course correction. So this magi, they need a little course correction. I'm always reminded of this when I go sailing. I give the wheel of the sailboat to a person who hasn't sailed before. And I tell them, I said, look, when you sail, you don't lock the wheel in place and forget it. 
You know, I tell him, otherwise we're going to have a lot of problems out here. So I always tell him, I say, no, look for a place on land, like a landmark, and sail toward that, or if we're heading out to sea, I have to just set the, you know, look at the compass setting, and that's what you use. But you have to constantly be adjusting your course out there. Why? Because the wind and the currents and the waves, they're constantly, they're moving around. So you have to be changing, you have to be responding. So sailing is all about a continual course correction. I mean, it's just not going to work if a person gets in a sailboat and stubbornly says, I set the wheel to where it's got to go, and I'm not changing the wheel. Oh, no. And if we do that in life, it's going to be a disaster. It's disastrous. So if the Magi had said, you know what? We set out to find the king of the Jews in Jerusalem because that's where the king of the Jews has to be, and we're not moving for Jerusalem. They had said that. They never would have found the king of the Jews. They never would have found him. But the Magi, they had to be flexible. And they had to be willing to let God guide them, let God change them. And so the Magi had to say, okay, it's not about what we think about where the king of the Jews is. This is all about where God guides us to, to find the king of the Jews. And if God guides us to a town that's not found on the map, so to speak, Bethlehem, to a barn, to a feeding trough, to find the king of the Jews, then so be it. And this is how God guides us in life. Only for us, it's not a star. It's not a star in the sky. It's a Bible in our hands. And that's described in 2 Peter 1.19, 2 Peter 1.19, which says, we have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. But just think of those wise men, and what if they didn't look up? What if they kind of like walked along like this the whole time, you know, and they never looked up? And they said, you know, God's going to guide me somehow, but I'm not going to look up in the sky. I'm tired of doing that. Then they would have had no guidance from God because they had to look up in the sky to see that star. And so God has set our guiding star in the Bible And what if a person just says, well, you know, I'm a Christian and I don't have time to read the Bible and and he never reads the Bible. Well, then he can't be guided by God because just the wise men, they couldn't be guided unless they looked up in the sky. Now, in verse 10, when they saw the star again, it says they rejoiced. They rejoiced. And and that's our experience. It's a special joy when we realize that, wow, God's guiding me. God spoke to me in the Bible today. That's a joy. Now, somehow and we don't know how, but God revealed to these wise men that the king of the Jews that they were looking for was just born when they said in verse two, where is he that is born king of the Jews in verse two? And it's amazing to think of them as they're coming to worship a baby, a newborn king of the Jews. And of course, this is how this book you know, starts out in verse 18 of chapter one, and one eighteen, it says the birth of, of Jesus Christ was on this wise. That's kind of an amazing statement, you know, especially when you, when you think of the meaning of the words Jesus. What does Jesus mean? It means God's salvation or God saves. And what does Christ mean? It means Messiah or the sent one. So now you take that statement and it comes like this. Now the birth of God's salvation and God's sent one was like this. It's amazing that the salvation of the world is tied up in this baby that's born in Bethlehem. This is God's like rescue ring that he's throwing out to the world. It's a baby. Now, 
So the wise men now, they're coming and they're asking this really important question in verse 2. It's a very deep meaning. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? There's certain messages that we can see in that question. Because, first of all, in that question, we can see two messages. The first, in that question, where is he that is born king of the Jews? We read in that an eagerness. There was an eagerness. Where is he? I'll do anything to find him. That's my goal in life. I've got to find him. It's the question that really expresses a deep eagerness. And now, it's a question that expresses how a transition has been made. A transition. It's a transition from, you know, it would be interesting to find him. And then it goes, and it transitions from that, it would be interesting, to, hmm, I'd like to find him. And it goes beyond that, and it transitions to, I very much want to find him. And then it transitions, goes on to that. It says, I need to find him until it finally arrives at, I must find him. And this is what's behind their question when they say, where is he that's king of the Jews? They have transitioned. See, they have transitioned from interest to like to, to want to, to need to, to must. And God says, when anybody... We see in a picture here, but God says when anybody makes that transition like that, then God says, okay, you'll find me. In Deuteronomy 4.29, Deuteronomy 4.29, he says, but if thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him, if thou seek him with all thine heart and with all thy soul. It's this transition that goes beyond interest, want, and so forth. And this is what God is saying. God is saying, you will not find me with just an interest in finding me. God says, you will not find me if you would just like to find me. You will not find me with just a, you know, you have a need. You will only find me when it becomes a matter of you must find me. And that explains why so many today just, they go to church, but they don't find God. They maybe go to Bible studies, they don't find God. Because in their heart of hearts, those religious people figure that, well, maybe God really can't be found. And maybe Christianity is the same like all religions. I mean, after all, what's the difference? And that's why, that's because God says there's only one way to find God. And that way is to find God when you rely on the promise of Jeremiah 29, 13. Jeremiah 29, 13. You shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart, with all your heart. So in the question that they ask here in chapter two, verse two, where is he that's born king of the Jews? We read how the Magi had made this critical transition to I must find him. And that's what we're calling eagerness, eagerness. But then in their question, where is he that's born king of the Jews? We not only read eagerness, but we read hope. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. 
Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendship with God Fellowship and Tom Cantor would like to invite you to our Seder message and traditional Passover dinner on Sunday, April 14th from 4.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. Come join us for a special night of music, food, and biblical perspective on the Passover Seder. Experience this event in our brand new venue, The Vine, located near the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. The cost of this event is $25 per person, and the last day to sign up is Friday, April 12th. For more information, please call 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104 or visit us at creationbookstore.com That's creationbookstore.com